Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Welcome to part two of Four Reasons to Beware of the Prosperity Gospel. Today's African Christianity is in the pursuit of riches under the guise of the Prosperity Gospel teaching, a teaching that claims that believers have a right to wealth and health on account of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We continue to see so many people out of a hunger for material things and benefits move from one church to another in the pursuit of those riches. But we asked ourselves the question, does God really promise to bless us with money? Is it God's will for you to be rich? And indeed we saw that many pastors and self-proclaimed prophets today would say, yes, God wants you to be rich, yes, God wants to bless you with money, as they continue to teach that God promises to give you prosperity only if you have faith. We looked at two reasons why one needs to beware of the prosperity gospel. First, we noticed that the prosperity gospel is premised on half-truth, that while they will tell you about God's love and God's goodness and desire to give you wealth, they will not tell you everything there is about God, and especially that people who walk with God, who pursue God, have not always been successful, have not always been wealthy and healthy, and we find that all throughout the teaching of Scripture. Reason number two, we notice that you ought to beware of the prosperity gospel, especially because of the bogus Bible promises that are given to people who long for this kind of teaching. That prosperity gospel preachers often misquote the Bible to support their message. We saw commonly misunderstood Bible passages that these prosperity preachers use, verses like Romans chapter 8 verse 28, verses like Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, and we notice that these verses are usually taken out of their context, are usually quoted selectively, and usually the interpretation and application is not what it was meant to communicate or to be. So what is reason number three and four? Well, the third reason to beware of the prosperity gospel is the fact that the, this gospel teaches that if you sow, then God owes you something. One of the most common ways prosperity preachers misuse the Bible is the so-called seed faith formula. They claim, for instance, that if you give money to their church, or especially to God's anointed servant, God promises that you will get back far more than you gave. You sow your seed by donating a certain amount, and God guarantees that in return you will somehow receive much more money than you donated. So for example, if you give a ministry of a certain pastor, say $10, you might find out that you have unexpectedly inherited $1,000. Some preachers call this the hundredfold blessing claiming that God promises you up to a hundred times the amount you give as your seed. 
So there is a lot of teaching of sowing your seed, of giving to God so that you can receive verses like it will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be used by several prosperity gospel preachers to convince you to give to their ministries or to the so-called anointed man of God. But you should know that this false doctrine misuses the Bible's image of a farmer sowing the seed. Scripture uses this language to illustrate that actions have consequences. Now, for example, the book of Proverbs in chapter 22, verse 8, it warns wicked people saying that whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. In other words, if you treat people badly, then bad things will usually happen to you. And Paul picks up this kind of image when he warns the Christians in Galatia. The Galatian believers are warned, and Paul says that do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he also will reap. That is Galatians 6 verse 7. And then he explains for us what he means, saying in verses 8 to 9, that for the one who sows to his own flesh, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, will from the Spirit reap eternal life and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up so what is paul exactly saying here what is the context of this passage in galatians chapter 6 what is paul exactly trying to bring to the believers attention he is urging these galatian believers to do good to other people and especially fellow believers, as we read in verse 10. To sow to one's own flesh means living selfishly, and to sow to the Spirit means living a life motivated by love for God and for others. In other words, what we will reap are the eternal blessings that come from living in that kind of way. And when prosperity gospel preachers come to a verse like this, and in certain money and other material benefits and riches, it makes you wonder, where are they getting these things? Because Paul's context does not suggest anything of the kind. Rather, it calls believers not to hold good things for themselves, but to live for the service and sacrifice of others, that they may be rewarded in turn, not by the same things that they have given, but that God may bless them with eternal blessings. And of course, we should also note that Jesus did talk about us being blessed a hundredfold. But did he really mean that this hundredfold blessing was about money and houses and cars and visas as we are hearing in our day? We need to be careful when we approach a verse like this, and especially to see that prosperity gospel preachers often twist what Jesus really meant. For instance, concerning this hundredfold blessing, listen to what Jesus said in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. He says that truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters, and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life 
Now, looking at this passage very carefully, notice what Jesus says and what Jesus doesn't say. For instance, Jesus makes this promise to those who have left their houses, their families, and their properties for his sake, like many of the apostles literally did. You remember Peter, James, and John leaving their boats to follow Jesus? It is these people who have forsaken their all to follow Jesus, not those who are trying to gather as much as the world can give them that the promise is made. He promises them that if they lose their own natural families and belongings, they will become part of the larger believer's family and receive eternal life in the age to come. Jesus certainly was not telling anyone to bring money to him so he could be blessed a hundredfold, or to anyone else in the ministry with a guarantee of miraculously getting a hundred times more money. That is not what is being spoken of here. And the major promise in this passage is eternal life in the age to come, not material property and wealth in the here and the now. And as we look at this verse, we should also note that while prosperity gospel preachers are quick to point out the a hundredfold that believers may get when they give to their ministries, they usually don't talk about the part with persecution. You notice that Jesus ties this promise with persecutions. So what does it mean to have a hundredfold houses, children, brothers and sisters as well as persecution? What does it look like to be rich but in the midst of persecution? Does one really even enjoy those kinds of riches when they are being harassed and oppressed by their opponents left, right, center? So you can tell here that the promise is really not one of earthly bliss, but one of eternal life and one of belonging to the larger family of Christ as a result of turning their backs on the world to follow Christ. There is a biblical principle of sowing and reaping, but it does not work like the prosperity preachers say it does. For instance, if you give money to a Christian ministry that is laboring to disciple followers of Jesus, you will reap a harvest of more mature believers. Because of your money, discipleship has been carried out and more believers are grounded in truth and are growing in God's grace, are being strengthened in the faith, and that is the benefit that comes out of your generous giving. If you give money to help the poor, the purpose of your seed is to produce blessings for the poor, not to get some financial blessing for yourself. You benefit spiritually by growing in your love for others without expecting to get anything materially out of it. If you give money to help spread the gospel to the lost, what do you reap? What you will reap is more brothers and sisters in Christ. Giving is good. If you do it for the right motives, we need to always remember that. And that giving to Christian ministries because you hope God will grow your bank account is not a good motivation, is not a good reason, is not a good attitude for giving. God is not an investment banker that exists to multiply your investments when you give towards the gospel cause or towards his people. And when we give, we should give out of what God has given us. It is our way of showing our gratefulness. Not our way of trying to manipulate God into giving us more. And that is very, very important for us to remember. That this seed faith teaching is not only unbiblical, 
but is established on greedy, wrong motives and people who give with the hope of gaining in return certainly do not really receive the abundant blessing that God offers and even when they do not get what they expected, they are usually disappointed and discouraged thinking that God has not been faithful, yet they believe the lie from whoever told them to give while expecting more in return. And that's one of the reasons you and I need to beware of the prosperity gospel. But what is the fourth reason you and I should beware of this gospel? Well, the fourth reason really is that prosperity gospel preachers should never ask you for money. And if they are doing so, it's one indication that they already there is a very big problem and it's time for you to run away. If the prosperity gospel preachers were serious about their message, they would never ask you for money. Think about it. They claim that the way to become wealthy and successful is by giving to their ministry. But what are they doing to become wealthy and successful? Are they giving the money to you also or to the poor? No. While they tell you to give to them and into their ministry, they are taking the money from you that you give them and sadly even from the poor and that's how they become rich. They are not rich because God has blessed them. They are rich because of the collective giving of those who have heeded or been attracted to their message. If the prosperity message were true, what those teachers should be doing is quietly giving their own money to you or to other ministries and expecting to receive their own a hundredfold blessing. But that's not what they do. While they tell you to give so that you get your a hundredfold blessing, how are they getting theirs? Whom are they giving? They are teaching you a principle to observe and obey, but they are actually not doing the very same thing. Instead, they ask you to give money to them. And therefore, I want to challenge you, my brother, my sister. Do not be deceived. If what they teach is really true, they don't need your money. And if what they teach isn't true, then they shouldn't even deserve your money in the first place. So either way, no matter how you look at it, they actually do not need your money. And God's blessing is not tied to you giving to a certain ministry or a so-called anointed man of God. There are wonderful, biblically faithful churches and ministries that serve God in sacrificial ways, out of love for him and for others. And such kinds of churches, if you really believe in what they are doing, then I would encourage you to support them in any way you can. Because they are faithful, they are sacrificially serving those who are in need, and they are keeping the gospel at the center of it all. If there is anyone that should deserve your help, it is these kinds of faithful churches and ministries, and certainly not those who are asking you to give out of a promise that you will receive more. Do not become a victim of the trickery of these prosperity gospel preachers. And remember that no matter what you are being promised, what you really need as a believer is the guaranteed promise of eternal life that God has reserved for those who believe in him. Remember Jesus' warning, what will it promise a man if he gains everything in the world but loses his own soul in eternal hell? The pursuit should not be one of worldly wealth, rather one of spiritual wealth that Christ has reserved for all those who are faithful. And while we are still here in the world, we must remember that it's a broken world. 
and therefore we expect diverse challenges we expect persecutions we expect diseases we expect poverty we expect pandemics yet in all this Christ has promised to protect us to provide for us to keep us and to use all these things to work for the good of those whom who love him according to his purpose which purposes of conforming believers to the image or the likeness of Christ Jesus so no matter where you are trust Jesus poverty is not a sign that you are cursed or that God has forsaken you so many faithful brothers and sisters in scripture gave away even all that they had so that they could follow Christ when we look through the chapter of 11 of Hebrews to look at the heroes of faith the men we see are not those who are gathering riches and material benefits but rather of those who are giving them up for the cause of the coming kingdom of the promised country a heavenly one and such should be our attitude if you are materially wealthy it's not necessarily a sign that god has blessed you since wealth can always be obtained in so many ways and if god has really materially blessed you he has not given you for your own benefit but so that you can be a channel of blessing to those who do not have that you can become a conduit of God's overflowing generosity as you serve the church like we see in the apostolic church in the book of acts as you bring what you have so that it can be for the benefit of all that are in the fellowship to the edification of the saints and the glory of God a right attitude of prosperity is extremely important especially in our day that we may not be fall victim to the love of money that the apostle paul describes as the root of all evils and don't you forget his stern warning he says that those who have pursued that kind of money or prosperity for that matter many have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows i pray that you do not become the next victim of that kind of pursuit of worldly wealth at the expense of your own eternal life it is a very dangerous thing to sacrifice the eternal at the altar of the immediate i encourage you to go back to the scriptures and study bible verses in their entire context so that you are not deceived by those who twist them and interpret them to support their own teaching that has nothing to do with the biblical teaching for their own selfish gain may the lord keep you and guard you especially in these terrible times of great deception To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.